Listen, maybe you've heard some talk about trauma or triggers. And the recent buzzword these days is healing your inner child. By the way, I've done that. I've done that work. We all come through pain and struggle because, to be quite honest with you, pain and struggle is part of life, right? But if we allow pain to remain in our body, in our spirit, in, in our and stay inside, we don't win. We win when we can make our struggle, our challenges, our pain transformational. Hello, I am Anne Marie, host of About This Life. I'm intentional about having conversations to manifest the life we want. No more regrets, only lessons learned. No more fantasies of what could be. Let's make it happen. Sometimes this means letting go of mindsets, healing old wounds in order to create a new way to experience the gift called life and to thrive, y'all. It is my pleasure to welcome to this episode Ms. Laura Lalaki. She is a realtor, not just a realtor, an international realtor. Oh my, we, we have to talk about that. And a vocalist. Okay, so welcome, Lala. <laughs> well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I love being able to talk. I'm a talker. <laughs> okay, okay. So we're going to chat this thing up, okay? I mean, we're going to go wherever the Holy Spirit takes us. Yes. And I would be remiss if I didn't say from the onset how much gratitude I have for, for a mutual friend, and that is Miss Stacy Lauren, who's doing the thing. That's she how we met snowballed all of this and it was so funny because I kind of stumbled across an ad of hers and it came at just the right moment when I really needed it and was really needed an injection uh, because I used to love to go live and do all that stuff and then I just kind of backed away from it this year but due to circumstances but when she came along it was like okay and then I jumped right on in that community and look what comes out I mean you just meet wonderful people you do and how many do the things have you done so far I, I've lost count <laughs> I've done quite a bit I, I wanted to do this current one but I, I had to back off of that one but I I love the going live I just I did that every day and it's actually started of me doing that. I'm very active in the group. So I love being around and seeing other people's successes. It's something about being like-minded, you know, you're about a like-minded people. And so instead of pushing people down or saying, oh, you can't do that. You're surrounded by people who are constantly saying, oh, you can't do that. Come on. And if it's something that you don't know how to do, then they're like, come on, let me show you. So it's been a wonderful experience with her. She just really is a light in the world and we need more people and more communities like hers. We sure do because even this podcast that I'm starting, so many people have their opinions about things and how I should do it. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm doing it messy, okay? Yes, I, <laughs> I like messy. Technology. <laughs> And actually, that's my next goal is to to create a podcast myself. And I've been wanting to do it for years, but she's like put an injection in these veins again. And I'm like, OK, I think 
this is going to happen in 2024. So it's a wonderful thing that we can grow. We are growing together in a very strong community. We're growing and, and that word community just resonates because when you know that someone else is going through with you, it makes life interesting. And yeah. one of the things, Lala, I'm going to come back to why you're called Lala in a moment, but pinning that, I, I, I'm coming back to that. I want to talk about what you do in terms of real estate. You are a realtor. Now, that's just a common, no offense, men, but in terms of a career, we, we all know what a realtor does, yes. but you're not just any kind of realtor, Lala. No. <laughs> you no, are like special and this I whole know. international flair. So can you tell me what do you see as your life's purpose and mission and what do you bring to that position and why, what made you decide to be international? Well, when I came into real estate, I actually stumbled into it. I had been a secretary all my life. I had my son when I was 16. So instead of going to a traditional four-year college, I ended up going to a two-year college and I took word processing. And you are dating yourself when you say yeah. you word processing. So after that, my very first job was working at a little uh, tennis club, creating a magazine for the membership. So that opened my creative side. But after so many years of being office work and office manager, I kept losing my job, not because of me, but because of downsizing. And then the last job, the owner's wife decided she wanted to come back and have my position. Oh, my goodness. So I lost it after being there for five years. And at that point, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. And so at the time, my father-in-law and my husband was interested in like, hey, maybe you should start looking at buying some properties. And I wasn't so into it. I was like, oh, if that's what you want to do, fine. But my father-in-law was pretty big wig uh, in, in New York City. And he finally said, are you ready? Are you? I've just been waiting for you to do this. And I'm like, do what? <laughs> and he was like, you should really try your hand at real estate. I had never done anything in sales, but he said, you have that personality and I think you'd be great at it. So I stumbled into it. It wasn't as easy as people think that it is. You know, if, if you come into something new that you're not used to, you have to find your way. And I did. What really thrust me into it was I truly believe in home ownership. When I got my license, I was a homeowner, but a fairly new homeowner. And I didn't like the way our realtor handled our business. And I was very upset about how he came to our closing in sweatpants when everybody else was dressed up. I was very upset to find out later on that he should have done some things that he didn't do. So I fussed about that privately to my husband. But when I got into real estate, I was like, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what he did. So I immediately started working with first-time homebuyers, people who never thought that they could own. I started teaching classes. I still teach to this day on why it's important because believe it or not, especially in our community, the black community, people don't understand just how important it is to own a piece of your land and how it creates generational wealth. And so I wanted to be a part of that uh, community of helping to uplift and helping people to build their wealth with that. So that's how I got into that. Now, it wasn't until years later, matter of fact, I got my license in 1996 and I've been in the business for a while now, but 
What was interesting is it wasn't until this year, this past year, that I got into international real estate and I focused on Portugal. And Portugal is a lovely place. My husband and I came to Portugal last year for a vacation. And of course, being an agent, I wanted to see all the properties yeah. that I could possibly see. So we traveled all of Portugal, all the way down from the south to the Algarve, all the way over to Madeira, the private island in Porto. But on the way up here, we stopped at this little place called Nazare, home of the mm. largest waves in the world. Mm. And the, the surfing community happened. Well, we were walking just down the street, walked past this real estate place. I said, I would really like to see some property blocks here. Ended up talking to the guy. He is wonderful. And he's like, you know, I don't have anyone to help me in America. I would love for you to partner with me. And that opened the door. So ever since then, I have been back and forth between Nazare, with the focus of Portugal, of course. And so I'm in Nazare, and that's right in the middle of Portugal. We are selling properties together to the expat community because there are a lot of agents here that don't necessarily speak English or understand the English process of buying homes. So I'm there to fill that gap. So I serve all of Portugal, especially since there are many that need English speaking, and I love it. So what do you mean by the expat community? Expat, and I don't like the term. I will always tell people that, but it, the term has been around forever. It means expatriate. But to me, I don't believe moving and living abroad means you're any less of a patriot to your country. It just kind of stuck. It's just the acronym of expatriate, meaning that you belong to another country, but you're living in a different country. So um, these I are Americans who want to live in Portugal. Yes. Yes. And it's not just Americans. I mean, it, the whole world, uh, I think Americans get stuck. They think that all we have is that little piece of continent over there. <laughs> and you really have to get out of your brain and get brave. I'm from Prospect, Kentucky. Y'all, if y'all had to look that up, you wouldn't be able to find, find it. it on a map. <laughs> uh, it, it's small. It's right on the outside of Louisville, Kentucky. So as a little girl, I never saw myself living and traveling abroad, but that's exactly what has happened. But so much has happened in my life that this is just where I am in my point of my, my purpose of 53 right now. I mean, it's, this is just a part of life. What type of person wants to relocate to Portugal? Is it people who are retired or is it people still in the working years of their lives and looking just for different scenery? Why do they want to go to Portugal? Talk to it's us about that. interesting because it used to be the wealthy mm -hmm. and those who retired because they wanted to retire to a place where their money could go a little bit further, right? Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, America, your retirement doesn't really go very far. So, But it has now become more of an issue of being what I call a world citizen. I think COVID helped open the eyes to many, many people to see that they don't have to be in a certain place to be able to work. So at the time, many countries, and still do, offer different types of visas, like the golden visa, which is no longer here in Portugal, but the D7 for retired people, the digital nomad, which is huge. You've got all this young generation going around the world and working everywhere. So it is a type of person who loves adventure, a type of person who loves to experience new things. It's a type of person who 
thinks outside of the box. Ah. And it's a wonderful thing to do that. It's a wonderful thing. I never my saw goodness. my goodness. I'm thinking of all the possibilities at this oh, point. Open. Just like, Just it, open. it never occurred to me that I could do something like this, you know? Yes. yes. Oh my yes. goodness. And yes. then, yes, that's interesting. I, I'm processing that <laughs> because maybe yes. I'll your clients i don't know the world is an open book i mean it's not just portugal of course i fell in love with portugal believe it or not italy has special programs and special things for i mean yeah spain has special programs the caribbean has special programs the bahamas they have special so it's not just that you know it's just here course i would love for you to come here because it's absolutely wonderful and you have the door open for all of europe once you get your visa over here you know hey get out of that box you don't have to be in that nine to five oh you're smarter and you know more than you give yourself credit for so and, get out and, of it. you know and i have summers i'm a teacher so i have summers and i have to say i've traveled you know i've, I've been yeah. to Greece. Uh, you, you know, I've been to Senegal, I've been to the islands, was born on an island, actually. So I've traveled, but the idea of living someplace else, I find that interesting. But something mm -hmm. else that you said early on, Lala, you talked about generational wealth. Mm -hmm. And I wonder why some groups of people don't get that, that it's better to be a homeowner than to always be a renter, you know, because if you do the math, you're giving your money away as a renter to people and you're and not going to see any cheaper. return on that. No, <laughs> so the math isn't mathing. That's right. <laughs> what it do you doesn't. think about that? Well, you know, I think a lot goes into that thought process. Uh, I think some people, some just get trapped in a community. Like I said, I never saw myself coming out of Prospect, Kentucky, but I have a very adventurous husband who pulled me out of my shell. If you're always around the same people who are telling you, oh, Pasha, you don't need a new house. What if something goes wrong and you need to fix it? The landlord can fix it. You know, you know, no, when you, you got to get out of your own way. And I think the more and more we teach our children at an early age of what they can do and still stick with it and support it, the more and more that our generations will open up their mind to new things. Just because someone tells you you can't doesn't make it so. Someone else's perception of you is not your reality. So don't be afraid of your dreams. That's what they're there for. I always like to say God gives us free will. I think we have a contract with him before we come here. That's just my personal opinion. I think we sit down and go, yeah, no, I would like to experience this when I go down there. And yeah. you have this contract with him. We have a life journey and a purpose for what we're here, but we can very easily lose our way. So you just have to get out of your own way because there's the sky is the limit. I don't care if you have two pennies to rub together right now. Somebody's looking for you somewhere. And that means across the world, not just in the United States of America, because there are jobs out here, y'all. And they need you. They need English speakers. They need a perception of that. Like you, sometimes in America, you call these phone lines. Who do you get? You get a different country. Yeah. Okay? 
Who's to say you can't go live in that country and still get that job? You can and, and, and do the same thing. But, you know, just in having this conversation with you, the things that are coming up, bubbling up for me is in terms of changing mindsets, we need to get out of our own fear. Yes. And I think of my parents and I love my parents dearly, of course, and, and both of them have passed on. But they were immigrants to this country from the West Indies. And there's a certain amount of fear that they lived with because they had to navigate bias and prejudice because they had their accents and all of that. You know, it was all fear of going outside. You know, I was raised in, in Brooklyn, New York, and what might happen to you? And oh, my goodness. And so when you talk about going international... So changing a mindset then in terms of generational wealth and think outside of the box. I'm hearing these things. Lala, how'd you get the name Lala? <laughs> well, when I was three years old, let me get let me back up just a little to give you a little context. My birth mother was very young. She had me until the age of three. She got into a little bit of trouble. And so she actually went to one of my aunts and said, I need your help. Can you please uh, take care of Laura Because that is my name, Laura And so she went to one of my aunts, because I have plenty of them. So she went to the one aunt that had five boys and didn't have a girl. So I was three when she took me to my aunts and my aunt became my mother. When I say mama, that's who I refer to. And I didn't meet Joyce again until I was 18 years old. So living in a small community, everything was centered around church. So you, whatever age you were, you had a role in the church. And the role for me was being able to sing in the youth choir at three. Okay. The little, little, little starlights, what we were called. Well, they handed me that mic and they let me sing this little light of mine. I didn't look back. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of stuck with Lala uh, because I ended up going to high school and art school. That's where I met my husband in Louisville, Kentucky, um, and continued my singing throughout my life. I still sing. And I'm actually leaning a lot more onto that because to me, that's part of my life purpose. And it stuck. It just really stuck because I sing. Yeah, we we we're gonna need to hear a note before before yeah, and I'll be happy to. <laughs> uh, you know, even that song, this little light of mine. Life has not always been rosy. No. Life has not always been rosy. Uh no. is it okay for me to use the word trauma? Um, yes. There's been some trauma in your life. I I know uh, or am aware of two instances in terms of uh, an assault that happened. And then I would be remiss if we didn't talk about your sisters. So wherever you would like to start, wherever you would like to start. Well, my first traumatic experience was definitely sexual abuse. And it was done by a family member. And I was three when it happened and it happened more than once and when it was discovered you just didn't talk about those things and the fact that I was three people just assume that if you're that young you're not going to remember and so they don't focus on it and I don't know what it is about our communities that do not want to face these things maybe it was the trauma that happened to them uh, and that's how it was done 
in those days. And so they continue the pattern. But I broke the chain when I was in my 30s. In fact, I remembered the trauma mm-hmm. very clearly, but mm-hmm. I remember the face. My body, my mind shut down. So I know that it was happening to me. I could remember it very vividly, but I couldn't remember the face. But it wasn't until I was in my 30s when the face was revealed to me when I was dealing with some other traumas uh, that was going on, emotional traumas at that time. Because like I said earlier, I ended up having my son at the age of 16. I wasn't promiscuous. It was in love early. And you know what happens when you your first love, you just You just go head over heels. But because of that, I wasn't allowed to go out and continue my dream of singing. So the trauma of not being able to do that and to be a young mother and to still deal with sexual abuse was piling on. So at the age of 30, it all came tumbling down like the walls of Jericho. I mean, it you I could no longer smile and pretend that I was okay because you cannot continue to swallow fire coals and not expect them to burn you up. Outside Mm. of those coals, you can choose to rise like the phoenix or Mm -hmm. you can allow them to consume you. And at that point, I had to decide if I was going to let it consume me or if I was going to rise from the ashes and I chose to rise. And that Mm. made me kind of the black sheep of the family because I no longer kept the secret about the family member and come to find out the family member, I wasn't the only one in the family. And Mm -hmm. so my question to my family was, why would you keep such a secret only for other people harmed? So that had consumed most of my life dealing with that trauma, because even at that time, I thought I was done with it. Let me interrupt you for a second. Did, Did you know, when did you find out that there were others? When you revealed your secret, when yes. you, yes. Okay. okay. And okay. I went to the source. Mm-hmm. I went to the source and mm-hmm. I went to him and confronted him. And he just looked me in the face and said, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time he was dating other women, he was dating women and they had children. And so I took it upon myself to go to them and say, you know, what happened to me when I was a kid, I think make you want to watch your kids, you know? And because Mm -hmm. I was so bold about that, uh, I became kind of the black sheep. Mm -hmm. His mother is still living. Uh, I will admit it was my brother. My brother is no longer here. He passed away. We didn't have the same mother. They were about 14, 15 years older than I was. And so when I came out, of course, his mom, who I dearly love as well, you know, didn't want to hear it. Right, right. Nobody wanted to hear it. But you Mm -hmm. know what? You you can't break the chain Mm -hmm. without the chain rattling. Yes, yes. And so I chose to do that. And to this day, I still will speak about it. And some of my family members just kind of shy away from it. But I'm just not going to lie about it. I don't believe in family secrets. I don't. And I won't. And I just won't stand for it. Well, I love that about you. I love learning this about you. And let me tell you why. Because I believe we're in the same generation in our 50s that we've mm-hmm. been taught you don't air your dirty laundry. Yes. Yes. And everybody knows the business, right? Right. (laughs) So somebody's here in the laundry. (laughs) But it 
leads to a sense of like powerlessness or the perpetual state of being a victim. So if you don't air the dirty laundry, that means the perpetrator can continue in whatever it is, you you know, whatever infraction has been caused. And then it just, the cycle repeats itself because there's never any healing. And when you are brave enough to break the cycle and say, this ends with me, that mm-hmm. takes courage. Mm-hmm. That takes courage. And, and you got to do it shaking in your boots. I mean, I can tell the story so confidently now because I have come to terms with it in my heart and in my spirit. But at the time, it was one of the most horrific things that I had to step out there on faith for because, you know, you don't want to be the one to tell the mother what happened to you. You don't want to, because I was, I'm the baby sister. Okay. I'm the baby sister. I have other sisters that are older than I am. They grew up together and they took care of me when I came along. They loved me to death. I grew up on my father's side of the family. So it was not easy at the time to even go and tell them it's not something you want to admit, but you know, slowly when you do do it, and then you start hearing these stories, you're like, what mm-hmm. the hell? What, what mm-hmm. the hell do and, you know, how many people could you have stopped this for if you just would have opened your mouth? And it doesn't mean that I'm mad at them, whatever their reasons were, whatever their reasons was, I still love them, but I'm just not going to be the one to be quiet. Yeah. And maybe they, they've they never seen or heard of someone doing it before. Because, right. you know, oftentimes when we have behavior, it's because we don't know how to think outside the box. We don't know. Nope. You know, if I took this step and you mentioned being like the baby and you had all the sisters. Yeah. 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 Tell us about your sisters. Well, I have two sets of families and it's really interesting. This is not uncommon in the world, but when I refer to my aunt, who is my mama, that is my father's side of the family. And so by the time I came along, I was the baby. Okay, so my my sisters and, and they were already in their teens. So I went out on dates with them and stuff like that was fun. I was their baby. But then you have me in the middle because I was the oldest child from my birth mother. And at the age of 18, as I, I referred earlier, as when I got to meet Joyce, uh, Joyce had other children after me. And so I'm the oldest on that side. So I have two sisters under me and I consider them my baby sisters and they're in, they were in their 40s and I'm 53. And so we developed a relationship over the years and we were close and, and it was just interesting. I just had two sets of people, but you know, my oldest family knew the youngest family. So they, it's, we're just one big family. I just, you're, I don't believe in half. Okay. Don't come at me talking about you, my half sister. Yeah. You either yeah. are or you ain't. Okay. So that's just not my thing. So we developed a good relationship and I will say their names because I believe it is extremely important for me to keep their names alive. And that is Azure, who was uh, just a few years younger than I am, and Valerie, who would have been, I believe, 43 or 44 this this past year. She just she would have had a birthday last month and Azure's birthday is just in a couple of weeks. Well, earlier this year in January, got an awful call that a drunk driver hit them and killed them and they were killed instantly. This young lady 
was so drunk. She was way over the limit, like 0.85 over the limit. Um, this happened in Mississippi. Continued to plow through, flipped over their car. And there was another gentleman in the car too who did survive and hit a viaduct, a big concrete viaduct. She got out and tried to walk away and tried to say that she didn't do it. So we are still dealing with the trauma mm-hmm. of losing our sisters because I have younger brothers on that side as well, but they were my only younger sisters. And to be robbed of that relationship is one of the most painful things outside. You, you think, okay, you've been through trauma, you've been through sexual abuse, you've been through, but to have someone ripped from you for something that is so senseless, to have them there one minute and not have them there the next, and mm-hmm. to have this person still walking the streets and not serving time is like a slap in the face every single day. So dealing with that has been a lot for me this year. And I had so many other plans for this year, but God saw fit for me to have I have to deal and come to terms with some things and to see how I can be the best advocate for not drinking and driving. So every day is a new adventure for me. I literally wake up every day not exactly knowing how I'm going to feel. Today, I had a crying spell because I just realized that, oh God, you know, Azure's birthday's coming up. And I do choose to remember them in a very good light. We had a wonderful relationship. We laughed all the time. They teased me all the time. And we always would giggle about silly little things, but they were very dear to my heart because for once I was able to be the big sister that my big sisters were to Mm -hmm. me. And to not be able to protect them from something like that just really rips your heart out. And there's a lot of woulda, shoulda, couldas that you wish that you would have done, but you've got to be able to work through them. And I'm not going to say that I'm nearly at the point where I'm okay with this. I'm still in therapy over this. This grief is not like losing parents. It's not Uh like losing. It's a different grief. It's a different kind of grief. If you had a song that you would sing to them, especially knowing that their birthday is coming up, what would you sing to them? And would you sing it? (laughs) I would, because it goes right back to the song that I was introduced to as a child. Because you see, this little light of mine is not just a child song. You have to listen to the words and you have to understand that it is a life song. Because at the age of three, it means one thing. At the age of 16, it means a different thing. At the age of 30, the age of 53, even yet more deeply, a different thing. Same words, but different emotions. And that has become pretty much my theme song of life. So I definitely would sing that to them. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Amen. 
Amen. We have to think. It's more. Mm. I didn't know that I was going to get so emotional about this. Amen. Um, but their lights are still here to shine. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's up to me to continue to do that. Amen. And I think about the courage you showed in terms of breaking the silence from before. And I think there is opportunity for you to help other people who are grieving in the way that you are, because I don't know that grief. I don't know it, but there's someone out there who's, who does and who's struggling. Yes. And your strength and your courage and your, your voice literally might be the push that someone needs to continue on. And you know, that's what I asked God. And I don't take that lightly. I I know that he is the source of my gift. Mm -hmm. um, and I do a whole lot with it. But my church is always my home base. But I've always asked him, and I truly believe that wherever I go, whatever song I'm singing, I would like to be able to leave the light of his love. And that means in just tapping your feet. That mm -hmm. means remembering something that is deeply important to you. And it's a mutual thing, believe it or not. When you are singing to people and you are giving them your all. And of course, that that little song right there, it, it gets me every time. So I'm not so sure you got the full point of my voice. But, but when you are singing to someone, it's reciprocity because when they feel what you are singing it comes out in their face it comes out in their smiles it comes out in their taps it comes out in seeing that something lit up in them that wasn't there before an example is i sing at nursing homes and mm -hmm. when i go to nursing homes i sing 30s 40s 50s tunes and when they roll a lot of these people in they're mm -hmm. pretty much quiet they've got their heads down they're not you know they, they, they don't really know where they are mm -hmm. but the minute you sing something that sparks a memory they light up they open their eyes they start patting their feet they start remembering and I never just leave after I'm done I actually go out and speak to people while they're coming to take them back to their room and I can't tell you the wealth of value in our elderly they will tell me that, oh, I met my husband in San Francisco and mm -hmm. my husband, they just go through this whole thing because you took the time to bring something that meant something to them back to their memory. Mm -hmm. So never think that something is so insignificant that it doesn't matter because you never know what a small thing really does for someone. And we need that in the world right now. Yes, we do. And I have to tell you, music is like the soundtrack of our lives. Oh, know? it is. It it's really like you can, you know, <laughs> I think it about is. always and forever. That was me at 16, you know, <laughs> that song coming you in. You know, that was one of my first songs yes. because uh, my, um, my sister, like I told you, I went out on dates with my older sisters, right? So of course they would be trying to woo my sisters and yes. I would hear all this music. Yeah, I love it. Melvin and the Blue Notes and the Shylocks and I'm just like. I love it all. <laughs> all. 
I love it all. I've got country. I've got every, I'm yeah. not the country. You know, I love 70s rock. I love, I, I sing it all. Yeah. Let me tell you, we're almost at a close, but I wanted to ask you this question. Well, I have two questions for you. How do you create silence when the noise is too loud? How do you find peace when everything that you've gone through is too loud? I recently found that for me. And in 2019, I weighed 285 pounds. And I did not want to turn 50 and be 285 pounds. I had battled weight my whole life. But for some reason, this time it was a different click. It was like, okay, yeah, no, we're not doing this anymore. And when I found that, that included exercise. And so I started taking daily walks and I would just start around my block because that's about all I could get around at 285 pounds. But slowly over time, I ended up taking five mile walks. I silenced the world on those walks. I don't answer my phone. I put on podcasts or I put on my music or I put on something that makes me calm. And to me, that's la la time. Mm -hmm. I talk to God on those walks. Sometimes I work a problem out that maybe I'm not exactly sure how to tackle, but I take that time as my time and my time only. And I have such a supportive spouse and we respect one another's private time that he understands that. So Mm -hmm. when I say, I got to go for my walk, go babe. Go do what you need to do. That's how I quiet the world is I get out in nature and I allow that to heal me. And that includes the sounds. You know, I in Southern California, I was always walking by the ocean. So I was able and blessed to hear the ocean every day. When I'm in Nazareth, I'm by the ocean. I still can listen to the ocean. When I was in Florida, same thing. But even in Kentucky that doesn't have an ocean, I was able to walk the beautiful paths with the beautiful trees. There's always something on that path that you can be grateful for and you can internalize that and put that into your healing. That is my time. That is my healing time. And when I come back from those walks, I'm a refreshed woman. So it's like, it's a reminder that you're part of nature. Mm-hmm. And who, who created it all? God, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you looked at my phone right now, pretty much all of my photos are from my walks. You yes. know, oh, a butterfly. Let's take a picture of it. You know, it's just, you you know, it's just, it's nice to reflect. Like at nighttime, once I'm well, I've done my walk and done my day, I literally go back through my phone and I look at those pictures that I took during that day and I go, you know, girl, what a blessing that you were able to see that and experience that. So I try to go to bed with gratitude. And it brings you peace. So the last thing, I heard you mention your husband a couple of times. So the last question has to do with your husband, a fellow yeah. Howard University bison. Yes, he's a bison. You know, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I just want to say, um, have you give the last word in terms of what is your love story? You've given us so many nuggets. You've talked about nature. You've talked about think outside the box. You've talked about breaking the silence. You've talked about building generational wealth. There's so many nuggets in our conversation that when we go back and listen, we can say, oh, that I, I can use that. I can use that. So what is your love story? Uh, my husband is a very special man. 
we went to the Youth Performing Arts School in Louisville, Kentucky together. Uh, we met when we were 14 years old and we were very good friends. So we were good friends before and then of course our love of music together and plus we're huge Prince fans. Okay. We, like, we, I was a Prince fan at the age of seven off his first album <laughs> because my sister dated a DJ and that's how I got introduced to him. But we had a connection with that. So all through high school, we were really good friends and we would talk on the phone about Prince and just like, you know, those days you didn't have all this fancy dancy stuff again. You got a telephone with a rotary and you would sit with a cord and you would talk all yeah. night long. Okay. Mm -hmm that was us and we would just share things but when I was the most broken as a teenager my husband good friend at the time just stepped right on in there and he was my rock and so many things with just being able to express myself so at the age of 19 we decided that we were going to date and we didn't look back from there then we got married when we were 23 years old so I went to college with him for a little while. I didn't attend because I had already gotten my degree in word processing. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, went up to D.C. with him. And so I was also on the Howard campus with him at the time. And we've just never looked back. You know, when you first get married, you don't really know expectations and how to balance yourself. Yeah. Yes. But we work those things out. And I have to say, I have a special type of man. He is just different he's respectful he's open he's level-headed he is definitely my yin to my yang and and so I'm the crazy one I'm always like, and he's like yeah all right, all right. okay all right. You know? <laughs> and then when he needs to be the and I'm like yeah honey honey you know we were able to do that but at this stage of life honey I please. I wish you would try to try to step into this. We too strong for that. You can't break this because we have been through it. But it's a mutual respect. It is yeah. allowing each other to grow. It is allowing each other to experience pain. It's allowing the understanding that I may not be your beautiful wife every single day. I might be that bite you lady and I could be that for a while he's been yeah, because during the trauma I wasn't a pretty person to be around working through that stuff okay but he mm -hmm. hung with me and he encouraged me and there are many times where you know you just have to say well we're not going to bed angry I love you and everything but I <laughs> but you go through that and it makes you stronger. So yes. my love story came about with someone who was a very good friend and we had a mutual passion and we grew into that and we grew together because now when we look back at it, we laugh we're like, oh my God, we were so green. Amen. Amen. But we were green together. But you were green together and you were willing to grow together. So yes. that is a beautiful love story. So thank you for sharing that. Appreciate yes. you. How would someone get in touch with you or connect with you? You mentioned that you don't have a podcast just yet, but yes. what are some things you're doing? Are you on IG? Um, are oh, you on the gram? And how does I somebody am, connect with you? I am a little bit of addicted to social media. I absolutely love it. I think it's the performer in me. I really do mm -hmm. love that. So you're going to see me singing. You're going to see me selling real estate. You're going to see my husband's album. You're going to see me performing with him on stage. 
You can find me at Realty Goddess on all my platforms. I'm branded under that name. So if you put in Realty Goddess, you're going to find Laura Lalaki everywhere. Amen. Amen. So I want to thank you for bearing your soul today. And I want to thank you for sharing your life with us. And hopefully someone can find some inspiration from that. So I am Anne Marie, host of About This Life. And you can find me in About This Life underscore Anne Marie. Thank you.